Oh, I was just getting ready to jump in the sun. Well, actually, I had this wonderful, well, I had several good conversations, but I had one in particular that was just, <laughs> it was wonderful. I hadn't heard from this person in a while, and I really like this person. She's really good. But I hadn't heard from her for a while, but that's, you know, that's just the nature of the beast and not her. I'm just talking about nature of the beast, meaning that's just the way it is. I don't hear from her very often, but it's always nice when I do. Oh, oh excuse me, that yawning business. Anyways, it's always nice to hear from her. She's a good person. And, of course, that always causes me to tease her and vex her. But, you know, that's just the, that's the way it goes. If I really like you, I tease the crap out of you. But, but anyway, it's a very good conversation. But I was thinking, it's funny, after the various conversations, I talked to my daughter, too, and I talked to another friend of mine. So I actually talked on the telephone to three people. <sighs> Two were friends, and one was my daughter. My daughter, it's always nice to talk to her. You want to hear from her. But anyway, so I was thinking, these conversations triggered my thought patterns about friendships and relationships and trust and all that kind of stuff um because more and more it is a sad it really is a sad thing to me more and more um there are less people that you can really trust it's, it's getting that way more and more and the few that you have that you can trust um you know just like you guys Together for each other, you're it. There, um, there are just so few people you can really trust. And uh, I was thinking about these people, and I was thinking about you know how much I trust them, how much I like. Them. I was I was thinking about all these different things, and I when I was thinking, I'm how grateful I am, um for their friendship and for their trust and things like that. I was, I was thinking about positive things. It was funny because I was thinking about one person and I was having those, um, what's, well, what's, you know, what they call, um, hypothetical. Uh, I was having a hypothetical per, I was having a hypothetical, hypothetical conversation with this person because I wanted to tell them all the good things I see about them, all the positive things and in the hypothetical um, conversation, I was saying to them all these positive things about them. Um, and then they, they questioned me because, well, I said, first, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. So, one, these are my observations. These are my judgments. And it's by observation. I'm only telling you these things to help you understand because I didn't want them to misunderstand my where I stand with them. Um so anyway, so I told them, you know, you're, you're a very smart person. You have a very good heart. You're a good mother. You know, I was listing all these things. Um, and they said something, they said something like, um, you think I'm so good, but I'm not as good as you think I, I am. And I said to her, um, oh, I, I'd see the bad too. I just, I'm not telling you the bad. I'm focusing on the good. Uh, but there, I said, but I see the bad. I see the good, the bad, and the ugly is what I was saying to him. So this person, because she is so smart, and she's also, um, I hate to say cunning because that's the wrong word. 
she's cagey. That's a good word. She's cagey. You know, she's coy. Coy is a much better word. She's very coy. Well, you know, <laughs> she has techniques to, to make herself look less threatening or vulnerable. Like the emperor walks around with a cane, Palpatine. He's super powerful with, you know, shock force, um, energy. But he walks around with a cane like he's this poor, broken down old man who has no power. He's weak. He's vulnerable. This person um, has so she's very coy. She can make herself vulnerable or uh, non-threatening and all that kind. Of, you can't don't fool yourself. <laughs> she's smart as hell, and she's quick to put pieces together. Um, so sometimes you catch her off guard, and she's like talking to a kid. But most of the time, very sharp, uh, very well. I mean, instantly connects dots. Um, and she doesn't take it to extremes like some people would. She keeps it pretty much in the context of what it is. So I'm always astounded when I discover that she's right online. She understands what I'm telling her as I'm talking to her. I'm not having to explain things to this woman. She knows. It's click, 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 click. And I like that. That's one of the things I was very impressive about her. So when she challenged me and said, you know, well, you know, I've, I've got bad things too. Or, you know, I've got things about me that I aren't you know, admirable or something like that. And I said, well, yeah, you do. I know the bad. And she said, well, what are some of the bad things? I don't know why people ask me that, but they do. And I told her, I said, well, you know, you're, you're kind of a pain in the ass. It's just true. She is. Well, no, let me put it this way. She can be a pain in the ass. Usually with me, it's always pleasant conversations, teasing, just chit chat stuff. Um, you know, we did some genealogy tonight, for instance. So usually it's very happy-go-lucky, chit-chatting, discussing, you know, that kind of stuff. It's not um, heavy-duty stuff and doom and gloom stuff. It's usually light-hearted stuff with her. And she's a lot of fun. That's another one of her positives. She's a lot of fun. Um, but um, anyway, what I was what I was thinking was, with her, I was thinking... <laughs> yes, you let me in the door. Now there's this 999,999, yeah, there's 9,999 9, more doors to go through with you before I get to the real you. It was what I was saying, but she doesn't realize how well, how well I know her. She doesn't, well, maybe she does. I don't know. I never really asked. I was assuming she doesn't. I think I know her better than she thinks I know her. But that doesn't even matter because she's such a good person. The point I'm trying to make is that this, this is the point I'm trying to make. The people who really know you, and uh, if, okay, if, if you're friends with somebody and you are a stellar person, you're highly principled, moral, faithful in your friendships, honest with them, all that kind of stuff, they know you. Um. But people who are not that way with you, because they have to be the same. My compatibility is I'm closest to the person who's most like me. Like, I will not betray you. I just won't do it. I'm just not that kind of a person. So I'm always closer to people who don't betray. Um, I'm, I tell you the truth. Well, maybe it hurts your feelings. I'm not, I don't tend to hurt your feelings. But I would rather tell you the bare truth 
than I would to lie to you to make you feel better about yourself or make you feel better about something. Oh, no, everything's going to be just freaking fine. You got nothing to worry about. That's a lie. <laughs> yeah, I won't do that. So the people who are the more the most honest, the more honest a person is, the closer I am to them or I let them get to me. Um, it's reciprocity. So that's why I was telling someone one time, if you think as, as me being the sun and, and I have my planets around me, you're a sun with your planets around you. Well, the people who are the most honorable, you know, the most honest, the most moral, the most loyal um, are the closest to me, like Mercury's close to the sun. Um, and then, the, so in other words, it graduates out. Well, so there's more than one Mercury. There's more than one person who's that close to me. They're just the, the differences in them may, may, you know, they may vary in different things, but they're good enough, you know, to me, to me to feel close to them kind of a thing. My daughter is right there. She's like a, she's like serious B and I'm serious A. That's how close she is to me. She's like, you know, I'm a star and she's right next to me. Uh, whereas Mercury's out of distance. But the point I'm trying to make is that as, in this day and age right now, and as things go on, it's very difficult to find people that you can trust like that, people that you know you can trust, people that you really care about, and all that kind of stuff that makes um, friendships valuable, makes them satisfying, makes them wonderful. The elements that make them wonderful and satisfying um, are being found fewer and fewer in people. Um, because of the influence of the world. Um, and I think what we need to do to to protect ourselves, really, more than anything, and to keep things in context, is to realize that as time goes on, there will be fewer and fewer people like that. You know? Um, and as a person, knowing that you become like people you associate with, you're going to find it difficult to associate with people that are below you in that respect who are not as honest as you and not as loyal and whatever, you're going to have to learn how to manage these other people that you're involved with, whether you work with them or their relatives or their fair weather friends or whatever the association is with them, whatever that association is, you're going to have to manage it in a way that you do not let yourself get too close to them. Yeah. Um, and this is the irony. The people who really know me, who have the qualities they spoke of, the ones that are closest to me. It's amazing how people who don't have those qualities always think they're closer to me than they really are. That's, you know, that's just the way it is. Um, I purposely throw up, if I feel I'm getting too close to somebody, I purposely kill the feelings. Yeah, that's, that's how I do it. Like, so if it's someone that I really trust and really like and all that kind of stuff, I still hold them at bay because the relationship with someone, male or female, that is in the form of a friendship has to be kept at a distance, a certain distance. There's, there's a proximity that you allow for, and that's it. You do not get any closer to them than this line right here. And you're the one who has to determine those lines. I, I can't tell you where the lines... I can't tell you where the lines lie for you. 
I can tell you where they lie for me and where the, you know, where the line is drawn, where this is as close as I'm going to let you get to me. This is as, this is as much as I'm going to let you discover about me. And of course, a lot of people say, oh yeah, but people let things out. They don't even realize. Well, keep thinking that if it helps you sleep at night. If I don't want you to know, you're not going to know. That's just the way there is to it. Matter of fact, I usually, what I do is I, I don't try to keep you from knowing. I just lead you in the direction I want you to go. Um, so if I think you're getting too close to me, I will actually create doubt in your mind to where you will be the one who pulls away from me rather than me pulling away from you. It's easier that way because I would rather have you distance from me than me have to distance from you because normally um, when I distance from somebody, usually they don't know it. They don't realize it. But those that do, it causes a lot of problems because all of a sudden they realize and they want to know what's going on. Well, what's going on? And I, I tell them the truth. This is what frustrates the life out of me. I tell them the truth and they don't believe me. They always assume, and it's true, sometimes I will say things that have multiple meanings and I'll say it in a way where you get the meaning that I want you to get. That's true. But of course, if you're asking me the question and it pertains to you, of course I'm going to answer it in a way that pertains to you and what I want you to know to answer your question. Just because of, there's a lot of other, you know, answers that go with it, I may not, I may choose not to give you the other answers, you know. I may choose not to give you the level of understanding that um, because I don't think it's good for you to have it. So you may not get it. Um, but but I won't lie to you. Let's put it that way. I won't lie to you. I will answer your question, but I will not give you the additional information that really gives you the, you know, really clues you into what I'm thinking exactly. You're going to have to develop those skills with people as time goes on. Um, Somebody made a comment on Twitter today. Well, I made a comment, rather, and somebody commented on it. And, right, I mean, right out of the box, the person said to me, um, so where do you live? Where are you from? I don't even know who this person is. Why am I going to give them that information? So I told them, I said, I never answer those types of questions Um with somebody I don't know. I said, I, I don't uh, answer those questions and give that kind of information to somebody I don't know. And the person said, and as a, now I was making a statement to, you know, letting them know where my position was, but I wasn't trying to reprove them for asking. And they said, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I you know, sorry. I asked her. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't, um, I didn't know. So I retorted, well, it's, it's no problem. You didn't know. So, you know, it's not a problem because it wasn't a problem. I was just letting him know. I just don't answer questions like that. It's like another guy followed me and said he was a movie star and stuff. And he thought I was a fan of his. I never heard of the guy. So he said something like, um, hi, I'm somebody Cooper. Um, so, so how do you know me? Uh, you've seen any of my movies? I told him the truth. I don't have any idea who you are. You, you, you followed me. So as a courtesy to you, I followed you back, which is true. I had no idea who he is. I still don't really have an idea who he is, except who he says he is. 
And the only reason I followed him is because he followed me. It was a courtesy. There was no real interest in anything he had to say. I was being courteous. Same with the other guy who wanted to know where I was from and where I lived and stuff. I think because my Twitter name has a woman's face, they thought I was a woman. <laughs> That's what I think. I think they saw the woman's face. It's Joy Boy, Boy what, Bear, Bear, Bear Hair or something like that. I call her Joy Boy Hair, Boy Whore. That's what I call her. I can't stand her. She's on The View, a daytime show with the hens, these cackling old women that see nothing but bad in the world, racism everywhere. You know, that kind of thing. Anybody associated with Trump is bad. That's how they are. Whoopi Goldberg is on that. That should tell you everything. I think they saw the woman's face and the red hair, and they didn't recognize it as joint boy whore. So um, they, they thought I was a, a woman that they could pursue. Well, shock, shock. I'm not a woman. I'm not a woman. I'm a man, baby. <laughs> That's what I should have said. Um, but that's the kind of thing that's going on in this world now. It's people, not just men preying on women. Heavens knows there's plenty of those. People are preying on other people in a parasitic way. Um, people with great loneliness and fears and whatever are looking for companionship with somebody. They're looking for a connection to people. I don't want to be connected to random people. I never had, even at Periscope, I changed my identity 312 times in, when I was on, on Periscope. In the almost four years I broadcast, or three and a half years, I think it was three and a half years, I had changed my identity I had 312 identities, so I changed my identity 311 times in three and a half years. That's a lot. It's, you know, it's, it's over 100 times a year. Well, it's, it's just shy of 100 times a year. You figure three and a half years into 311, that, that gives you the math score there. It's like 90, what, 94 times or something like that, but... Um, maybe even less than that. But anyways, but the point I'm trying to make is that to keep my anonymity, I kept changing my ID. And that minimized people who were following me on a regular basis. And only core people did I reconnect with. And then, of course, all the freaking, you know, waifs, you know, <laughs> that's what I call them, waifs, um, derelicts, whatever you want to call them, all of these different people I knew nothing about, had no interest in, <clears throat> would come to my scope and follow me. And then they would, the limbers would start climbing, and then I would shut that one down, and I would open another brand new identity, and I'd let people I know who I really wanted to associate with, this is my new identity. It'd fill up, and I'd do it again. Well, luckily for me, I'm, I don't have... If the world lasts another 50 years, I won't be around to see it. Yahoo. I'm thrilled. Um, but some of you will. Some of you are going to be around. Some of you are going to see tremendous changes, societal especially. And you're going to see um, the lonely group, the lonely crowd. You're going to see the lonely crowd. Um, meaning 
in a crowd of people, every single person would be lonely. Yeah. Seeking a connection with somebody. Um, men with men, men with women, women with women. You know, you're, you're going to see all. You're going to see it all. People are going to be so. It's going to be. This is the irony you're going to see. <clears throat> people aren't really going to want to have relationships, but they're going to need relationships. And there's going to be this conflict in people in general because they're going to be driven. They're going to feel compelled to have a connection with somebody, a deep one. But they're going to want to also be alone. They're going to want to be isolated. There's going to be conflict within them because they're going to be with their person that they feel most connected to is connected to them. Then they're going to disappear because they're going to need their, you know, alone time and detachment. Then they're going to feel the need to, you know, to have that connection again and get back in touch with that person. Well, what's going to happen is sometimes that person's not going to be available or not even want to continue the connection. So now they're both out looking for somebody new. But you're going to discover, I think, they're going to be more one-on-ones. They're not going to be group like we see now. And I I say group, you're going to see groups of people like Antifa and whatever. You're going to see groups like that who are cemented by a common theme or cause, but you're not going to see cohesive groups of like-minded people as far as the friendship thing is concerned. You're going to see individuals one-on-one who are going to have a very close, deep relationship that is, um, I would say, infrequent at best. Um, they're going to go back and forth. That's that's how bad it's going to be. Um, because the natural, the spirit within us wants companionship. You know, it wants involvement with other people and things like that. We're social beings. But because of society and things, the way things are going to be going and the way things are going to be, people are going to fear um, relationships. You're going to see marriage plummet, just plummet. You're going to people aren't even going to bother getting married anymore. Um, they're going to have short pseudo marriages, you know, living together type things, and they won't last long um, because of the way society will be. Society will be so selfish and so self-centered that people will not take responsibility for one another. That's why friendships won't even last long. Because in a friendship, there is a certain amount of responsibility each person has to one another. And the contributions they make to the friendship, the attention they give to it, their loyalty and honesty in it, all these things um, are the things that determine whether or not a friendship is strong and whether or not it lasts. If it's a temporary, does it last for years and years? As time goes on, um, Friendships will be much shorter. Uh, they'll be very intense. I mean, super intense. Because when two people think they found each other and they're compatible, um, they're both. The intensity of the friendships in the future is going to be like, you know, turning a light switch on. That's how fast and hard and deep their com- their friendship will be. And then, like, turning the light off, it'll be over with that quickly. 
So, for instance, two people might be meet and literally cling to each other, and a month or two later, they have nothing to do with each other at all ever again. It's done. They and there's no real, you know, discussing of I'm leaving and this is why I'm leaving. None of that'll happen. There will be instantaneous relationships with instantaneous separations, dissolvement of the of the friendship, the relationship. Um, some will be sexual, you know, that, that's inevitable. But most won't even involve sex. It'll just be having somebody you feel close to. That's how lonely and desperate people are going to be. They're going to just want someone to be there, just just to be there, um, just to sit in the room with them. Um, I've seen dying people are like that, dying people. Um, I remember someone who was dying who just asked me just to hold their hand. Would you just hold my hand? Their hand was cold, too. They were dying, and their body temperature was going down. I didn't want to do it, but I did it because they asked me. And I saw that they needed it. So I did. And they died. It was, so my wife was in pieces because um, it was a friend of hers. And she was a, a roaring alcoholic for most of her life. And her alcohol, the drinking, had caused her aorta in her body, the main artery, which is like a one and a half inch PVC pipe. They're huge. They run down the center of your body, right in the veins. The main vein runs right right alongside of it. Her drinking had caused her aorta, aorta to become like wet paper towels. This is what the doctor said. He said her, her aorta is like a wet paper towel, and it's torn, and she's internally bleeding, and there's nothing we can We cannot repair it. It's beyond repair. Um she probably only has another 10 minutes and she was going to be dead because uh, there's nothing we can do for her, um, make her comfortable. But you only probably have 10 minutes. So if you're going to go in there and say goodbye to her, you need to go in. Well, we went in. It was sad. I felt so sorry for that woman. She was crying. She didn't want to die. She wanted my wife to hold her hand, be close to her, tell my wife how much she loved her. You know, what a, what a good friend she had been. You know, she was a neighbor. She, she said, You've been a great neighbor and a great friend. I just love you so much. I hate you. I hate to. I should. I hate to have you see me this way. Um, I don't want to die, Nadine. I want to live. And I thought, well, he told you. You know, he told us you get ten minutes. I didn't say it, but I was thinking, you don't have long. So we gave her a priesthood blessing, but of comfort and counsel. She was going to die. That was it, and she did. She just basically fell asleep. She wasn't getting enough oxygen to the brain because the blood wasn't being pumped properly. Um, and she was internally bleeding. So she just basically passed out, and that was it. She died. And my wife was just freaking out, and I was trying to comfort her and just said, Nadine, you know, you were with her to the end. You did everything you could for her. You were there when she died. There's nothing more we can do for her, you know. Because my wife took it pretty hard because she, she was a good woman. She had a loser boyfriend who was trying to get her life insurance. It was like $100,000 worth of life insurance, and he was trying to get his hands on it. Um, claiming that he was 
he lived with her for more than 30 days. So technically they were common law, husband and wife and all this crap telling his kids, yeah, we're going to get that money and then we're just going to take it and run and all this at the viewing. Um, well, Lord, was he surprised when he found out there was no life insurance. She had not paid the premiums, didn't have the money. She was buying alcohol with the money. So he didn't get his $100,000. And as soon as he found that out, he was gone. That was it. No more nothing. No more relationship. Um, but yes, so what am I trying to say in the last couple of minutes? Because I'm leaving here in a minute. You're going to have to, you're going to have to conduct yourself in a way that you can keep your distance from people, but still love them. In other words, still have compassion and empathy and help people as you can, as much as you can. But you need to, I think you're going to need to be careful that you do not get too close to the wrong people and get involved with them and have them influence your life negatively. I already tell people that now. Um, I myself, I, I'm shielded from a lot of it because I don't associate with a lot of people. So physically, I go to church on Sunday and I see those people and some of them are my friends and I interact with them. But I do not interact with people other than cashiers, um, gas station attendants, that kind of a thing. Uh, my mechanic, you know, those are about the only people I have an interaction with are those types of people. Other people, I don't. I just, sometimes I have dinner at a friend's house and things like that. The person who sees me the most in the flesh is my daughter and my son. They're the ones who see me the most. And, you know, that's just the way it is for me. So I don't have the challenge that many of you have. But you're going to have to decide how you're going to, how you're going to deal with it. And, um, and how you're going to keep yourself from being a shut-in, you know, or a raycloast. You're going to have to decide how you're going to be able to keep your identity and protect yourself out among the masses and not withdraw and hide from society. You can't. You're going to be interacting with people on some level, whether it's your doctor or the cashier. Um, it's just a fast food person, whatever it is. You're going to have to deal with people, and you're probably going to, more than anybody, you're going to be dealing with relatives, which can be a very tenuous challenge, dealing with relatives. All right, well, my time is up. Um, my encouragement to you is to be the best person you can possibly be um, and follow the impressions you get, the spiritual impressions you get when you're dealing with people and when you're making decisions in your life so you can make the right ones, do the right thing. Um, so you can be as prepared to leave this place as you possibly can be. This is a very temporary existence, but it's a very um, important one, very substantial to our next uh, journey. So when we leave here and go to the next dimension or sphere, whatever you want to call it, when we leave here, we want to be as prepared as we possibly can be for the next uh, phase of our existence which is return to the spirit world. Because um, once we leave here, that's it. This life is over. This human life is over. We're now a spirit. And then after we're resurrected and get our body back, um, we're going to be assigned to a kingdom. You know? 
So you want to prepare as best you can. So when you go to the spirit world and you learn more and you progress, you go to the highest kingdom that you possibly can go to. That's what's going to happen. You're going to go to some kingdom of glory. Um, of course, hell's always an option too, but I don't think most people will qualify for it. Um, you'll go to one of the kingdoms of glory eventually. Wouldn't you like to go to the one that you're, where you could be with God and Jesus Christ? That's the one I would want to be. So when I want to be, uh, you have to decide where you want to go. Um, and the type of person you are when you leave here and how prepared you are for the next uh, part of our, our journey, the eternal journey, um, what you did here is going to really be um, make a difference about who you are in the next life as a spirit. You're going to be surprised to discover you're the same person you were here when you left. That's that's what I think a lot of people don't seem to understand. There's no miraculous change from evil to good or from bad to good. Um, there's certainly no change from bad to evil or, you know, I mean, from good to evil. Whoever you are at the time you leave this life, meaning you die, you're going to discover that you're the same person in the spirit world. You're going to be have the same wants and desires, same prejudices, same loves, everything. The knowledge you have, all that stuff stays with your personality and your knowledge, your wants, your appetites, your vices, your addictions. Who you were here as a person is who you're going to be there as a person. That's it. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's it. That's all you're going to get. I'm going to have to think of a title for this one. I'll think of something. All right. Goodbye or good night.